0: In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew.
1: This is as in the lab a topic as it gets today. We're going to go back in time because I don't really feel like talking about anything about the Texans right now. After what happened in Kansas City and there's still some changes going on that haven't been announced. Like, we can't really discuss some things, and then the stuff that we can discuss, I don't want to talk about really. Right. I need to give it, I still need to, like, grieve. So let's go back time. in time. Yeah. We're getting our
0: DeLorean. We do this. We do this for people that listen in the lab, you know what we're about to do. For those that are new, this is one of our in the lab dorkout sessions. Yes. Big time dorkout sessions that Drew and I really like. But if you're a Texans fan, and especially a fan of Texans history, you'll love our in the lab. We're redrafting. The 2005 Texans draft class.
1: And before we do, we want to point out hindsight's 2020. We're not blaming anybody. Right. We're not dogging anybody. This we've, is hard to do. We've done this with Rick Smith drafts. We've done this with Charlie Castley drafts. Mm-hmm. Not dogging those guys at all. But with the hindsight of 2020 and with 15 years in the bank now, we're going to go back to April of 2005, and we're going to redraft for the Houston Texans. So let's think. What happened in two thousand and four? Texans went seven and nine. They had a chance to they had a chance to basically finish eight and eight didn't they yeah in December there was a chance they could go and be about five hundred yep. so they were seven and nine that meant they had the thirteenth pick in the draft. They wound up trading back to sixteen with the New Orleans Saints and with that sixteenth overall pick, they took. Travis Johnson, defensive lineman from Florida State, he stayed here until uh, right before the 2009 season started. Now he is on the radio. He's one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet. He's yeah. one of my favorite all-time former Texans. One of my favorite people to deal with. I mean, he's just a funny guy. I love seeing Travis. Yeah,
0: tra- Trap J is is hilarious. And I remember that draft 2005. I was sitting at home and you know Mark was doing a draft and he had Lance on there. Obviously, Lance Airline, a lot of mm-hmm. people know. And so Lance's good buddy of mine. He said, hey, we're going to call you at certain times to have you talk about these picks. And so they picked Travis Johnson. And I'm sitting at my home in North Carolina, and I know they're about to call. And I'm like, I'm not sure what to say. Because Travis was a bona fide 4-3 three technique, mm-hmm. like a 4-3 defense, 3 technique. Like he was tailor-made for that. Penetrate, get up field. And the Texans were running a 3-4 at the time. And I thought, this is not yeah. a great marriage of player and scheme. And I was worried about that. And so I'm like, how do I say this positively? And so I just tried to say to Travis, like, the player himself can be very disruptive, you know, those kind of things. But the fit itself was not not perfect. Yeah. But I will say, I'm glad that it happened because, like you said, Travis is one of the guys we see all the time. Four games. He has such a, he's got a really good spirit. I just love being around him. He is he's awesome. In two thousand thirteen, the
1: wreckage of a Texan season where they lost fourteen games in a row. All the home games here, Travis and I did a pregame hit for the Fox Southwest Show. Yep, and I am darn glad he was there with me because he made things light, he made things interesting, and he he kept it kept it cool. I mean, it was good to have Travis along for the ride. And Travis, if you don't listen to him on the radio, you should be. He and Wade Smith have a great show on Sports Radio six hundred and ten. But with that big preamble, if you had to do it over again, there were a lot of good players taken after Travis Johnson in that draft. Mm-hmm. But
0: there's one in particular.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, can I interest you?
0: Last pick of the first round in Logan Mankins. He was a pretty good offensive he lineman. He was very good. Drafted by the New England Patriots. He is one. It, You know, Alan Fanica was just up for mm-hmm. Hall of Fame induction, and he didn't get voted in. And I can't wait to talk to McLean about this because, I think Alan Fanick is the best guard I ever saw. Seth Paints talked about him and yeah, you know, I faced some better. I thought, I thought Alan Fanick was tremendous. I thought Logan Mankins was in that Alan Fanicker class. Pretty when good. He's come out of Fresno State, he was unbelievable.
1: If you'd have taken Logan Mankins, your offensive line would have been much better. And that was an offensive line to that point that had really struggled to protect David Carr. Okay, so he was taking 32nd. You also had Roddy White. That's a pretty darn, he was a Pro Bowl wide receiver yeah, for the Falcons. Falcons. Put him opposite Andre Johnson. Shh. you're cooking with some gas right there. But, John, we won't um, dilly-dally anymore because at 24th overall, Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers was taken by the Packers. So Texans picked uh, eight spots before at 16. They could have had Aaron Rodgers. Now, you couldn't take him really at that point, I guess, because David Carr was there, and it looked like incrementally the Texans were getting better. But, man... A Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe the best. There are people who argue that he's the best. I wouldn't say he's the best ever, but there are people who argue he's the best ever to do it. Was Sitting there for the taking. He- no offense, Travis. Aaron Rodgers would have been a better Houston Texans draft
0: pick. Yeah, I think Travis would sit here and tell you the same thing. Uh, Travis is pretty honest about that. He definitely would do that. But the thing about Rodgers and, and what made the pick at 24 so interesting was the fact that Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. And Favre had been flirting for years with, Uh, I'm going to retire or maybe not. And then there was a little bit of drop off in his game. And so they weren't sure what exactly they were going to get from Brett Favre. And so Ted Thompson had he had circled Aaron Rodgers. and thought, man, if he falls, we got to do this. I mean, this guy's just too good. Knowing full well that they probably had another year or two with Brett Favre. And they ended up getting three. They got five, six and seven. Before Rodgers took over in 2008, and the Texans faced him that year up in Green Bay, one of the great wins in Texas history. Yep. But I had that year Aaron Rodgers as the number one pick. I thought <laughs> that he would go to the San Francisco 49ers, and I thought he was what, – what sold me on Aaron Rodgers was the game he had against USC. He completed 23 straight throws, mm-hmm. and he finished the day, I think it was 24 of 26 and he was phenomenal. This was against a USC defense that was pretty darn good in 04. So, I was I was convinced this is the guy. He's got to be. And I, and I liked a lot what It's funny because now I would probably take Alex Smith cuz Alex was a little bit more of a mobile guy. Right. But coming out of Cal, Aaron Rodgers was not a finished product. This would have been a perfect situation because you had a – I mean David had a really good 04 and then 05 everything just blows up. So going into '06, you would have had Aaron Rodgers sitting there. Are you ready to make a move? Are you not? Gary Kubiak would have taken over. Could you imagine? It, he Aaron I mean, Rodgers in Gary Kubiak's offense? In
1: any offense, Aaron Rodgers tremendous. But wow. in that one, oh my goodness! With his deceptiveness as far as ball faking, I mean, his accurate. He would have been awesome
0: with Andre Johnson alongside. Mm, that would have been something. I else. mean, holy smokes! Yeah. Now that. Th- there's so there's such a butterfly effect to this because now you don't have to make the deal for, for shop. shop. Yeah. Now, you didn't give up. I don't think I can't remember. You didn't give up a lot for shop. I don't, swapped one. You swapped, swapped places. Yeah, you swapped places. And I think there were a couple other maybe some shrapnel moves. So you didn't give up a ton for shop, but you don't have to make that that particular move now. And if you still have Aaron Rodgers, I mean, who knows where you are in, in following years. But right. if you have Aaron Rodgers, just think about it this way. If you have Aaron Rodgers in 2011, just think if everything else is the same, everything else played out the exact same way. But Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback in 2011. First of all, it probably happens before this. But in 2011, yeah, you'd be, you'd be able, able to win the Super Bowl going away. And you'd and be able to close.
1: invest resources in the defense like you're talking about sooner. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd spend that 08 pick on Dwayne
0: Brown probably. Yep. But, well, and hell, who knows what you'd be doing. I mean, in nine, you you go Cushing, and that was great for your Maybe. Defense. I mean, you,
1: but you'd be picking
0: lower probably because you got Rodgers yeah. and you're winning. So okay, well, if you don't. That's
1: the beauty of this. We're going too far down rabbit holes. No, I know, but that's kind
0: of the fun is that, yeah. well, but if you don't get Cushing, guess what you do? You go get Clay Matthews. True. Yeah, because he played he went a, he went a few picks Rodgers
1: later. Okay, the Texans did not have a second round pick in twenty fifteen.
0: I was looking this or up. Twenty two
1: thousand five. I
0: looked this up. So the Texans would have been picking because this was the uh, number forty seven, and they traded it to the New York Jets. Now I can't. I, I'm trying to find what the trade was. Is that part of the Babin deal from before? Oh, I. But was it with the Jets? I couldn't remember. I don't know. It might have been. It might have been. Um, I I think you're. You are maybe right, because I was in 4 I bet that's what it was. So the Texans would have been at pick 47, but instead the Jets stayed at pick 47, and they drafted a kicker, mm. Mike Nugent from out of Ohio State. Good kicker, but I don't know. You need to yeah. spend a two So the Texans guy. didn't have a pick until the third round when they were picking at number 73. And for
1: their third-round pick, so the second guy they took in that 2005 draft, they took a running back. And that running back played less than two seasons. He rushed 51 times for 197 yards and scored two touchdowns. Not good production for a third-round guy that you spend a pick on. It was Vernon Morrency. That was a seven third 3rd overall pick. So instead of him, they could have taken a, def- a pass rusher in Justin Tuck. Yep. Now, would he have been a perfect fit for that defense? I don't know. But he was a guy who had double-digit sack seasons – four different times in his career yep. I think he could have made something work with Justin Tuck 66 and a half sacks in his career had a lot of TFLs as well double-digit TFLs one two three four five six times he was uh one of the mainstays on that New York Giants defense that twice won a Super Bowl
0: yep you could have used Justin Tuck yeah I don't think there's any question you could have used him. again kind of back to my point about Travis you were you were more three4 at the time now Tuck Could he have been an outside linebacker stand-up? He ended up making Mario that when Wade Phillips got here later. But if you bring Tuck in and you start making some adjustments, I would imagine you still draft Mario Williams number one in 2006. But who says you're drafting number one in 2006? If things start going south in 05, maybe you turn it over to Rodgers as a rookie. Maybe Mm -hmm. you don't pick number one. Maybe maybe you're picking a few picks later on um, where you're not picking number one. And you maybe you don't pick Mario Williams because you have Justin Tuck, but to me it's Tuck. The only other the only other spot I even look at, and I just know the Texans would have never, ever considered a guy a few picks later that the Rams ended up taking. That was Richie Incognito. There is no way, although Incognito was maybe the best offensive lineman on the board left at that particular moment all the way through. So you could you could have uh you could have gone in that direction, but I think Justin Tuck is absolutely the pick, no doubt.
1: Now the Texans with their 114th overall pick went with a wide receiver who wound up making a Pro Bowl and he was he was really more of a return guy. Jerome Mathis, mm-hmm. fast as the wind. <laughs> I mean that's that's not a bad choice at one fourteen overall. But how about I do something else for you, John? Since you took a running back initially with your uh, third round pick pick before, and since you kind of went after the return guy route, why don't you do both and get a guy who's going to stick around a little bit longer? And why don't you take none other than a hold your breath guy? And who's a hold your breath guy? Well, a hold your breath guy for me is somebody you hold your breath when the ball goes in the air to that guy because if he catches it, something nasty might happen. Hold your breath guys for me have been early A.J. Green. Mm hmm. Rob Gronkowski anytime. Top man. Tyreek Hill Tyre now. Hill. Yep. And this guy, Darren Sproles. Yep. Darren Sproles. Wow. What he just finally retired.
0: You yeah. said you you said it kind of the nice way. I wouldn't say it the nice way. He he's to me he's the oblique player. Like yeah, oblique. Oh, yeah, like a word that I can't say on this podcast, but I would say out in the open when nobody's you know kind of standing around me on the sidelines. Because when Sproles touches it, and I mean that, even goes all the way to last year in 2018, when we faced the when we faced the Eagles up in Philadelphia, he's still making plays. Carved him up. Yeah. I'm like, oh god, can Sproles just go away? Because every time he faced the Texans, whether it's with the Chargers, the Saints, the Eagles, that guy found a way to do damage to us in a big, big way.
1: Seven punt returns for a touchdown in his career, average nine and a half per punt return. That's good. He's getting you. A, he's moving the sticks, giving yep. you ten yards. Kick returns, he scored twice on a kick return in his career, so that's nine career return touchdowns. He can play running back. He can be a slot back. He's a weapon for your guy, Aaron Rodgers. He's a nice compliment to an Andre Johnson. That's good stuff there if you take Darren Sproles there at 114
0: overall. Okay, 114 overall. Uh, That's a good one. Now, the only – this – I agree with you. I think Sproles – I think Sproles would have been – he would have been a very interesting pick. Mm-hmm. I think an argument could come in. Hey, wait a second, is Sproles a guy you want to use on an every down basis? Right. That would have been a question. So, I propose to you a little bit of a trade. Yeah. To move up to pick 110, where there is a hulking 6'3, 245 pound running back. Yep from Southern Illinois via Auburn by the name of Brandon Jacobs. Can I interest you in an every-down pounder? I like him. Bruising back. Now, you got to move up four spots to do it, so it's probably not a lot in the fourth round. But if you can't make the deal, to me, Sproles is the way to go. But if I can move up, because the Giants took him at 110, right, one pick after Marion Barber went to the Cowboys. I like Brandon Jacobs. I like him a lot.
1: However... His career ended in 2013, yeah. whereas Sproles just, style. just finished this year. Yeah, And really, even though his career ended in 13, his usefulness, his uh, productivity really ended a few years before that. So you got about four or five good years out of him, but you could get a dozen out of Sproles, and it's True. a different type of weapon. So yep. I recognize that. I respect that. But I'm going to stick with my guy Sproles. That's yeah. what I'm going to go with. Okay. All right. The Texans... Uh, By the way, I would have done the same
0: thing as you. Yeah. I would have gone with Sproles. High rolls. five, high five. High five. <laughs> uh,
1: okay, the Texans were were in the fifth round now. They had the 151st pick. Got to get a center, they thought. So they went with uh, something called a Drew <laughs> And
0: Something called a Drew Hodge. <laughs>
1: he didn't work out as well. Didn't wind up doing too much. Yeah. But, hey, there's another center out there that wound up becoming a Texan. And... He was in that draft, the 2005 draft. He played in a very, very successful University of Miami program. Mm-hmm. And he's, a, he's a pro bowler, one of the best Texans ever, best Texans offensive lineman not named Dwayne Brown. It's Chris Myers. I would have taken Chris Myers, 151st, with hindsight, with hindsight yep. now. Right. I would take Myers and put him, plug him in there and then uh, let him kind of do great things for the next eight, nine years.
0: Chris ended up going in the sixth round at pick 200. Two picks after our good buddy Joel Dreesen went to the New York Jets. Excellent. He would eventually find his way to Houston as well. Chris was the absolute perfect fit. Now, when you think back to 05, Chris Myers, to me, was the perfect, perfect zone-blocking center. Like, the absolute perfect guy. Mm-hmm. He was never the biggest guy, but, man, he was quick. Smart. He understood leverage. Uh, he, was, he was strong. But, man, he could get up to the second level. He had everything up front the way it needed to be. Chris is perfect for Gary Kubiak's zone system. Mm -hmm. Now, you know a lot of times the way that drafts are that you draft for that particular system. I don't know if the Texans would have done it. But we're doing it. That's right. Because we can do it. And I think that's the absolute perfect pick for that pick. uh, 151, we're taking Chris Myers. And the irony, as I say that, is Drew Hodgson was kind of that way, too. Yeah. He was he was not a big guy. He was more mobile. So that probably was – it was probably the same. So, yeah, you definitely take Chris Myers at that pick.
1: We're into the sixth round now, and now it's – I mean, it's tricky. In the sixth, seventh round, it's tough to get contributors. You know, you got to get – you got to – sometimes you're drafting for just uh, potential at right. that point. You don't think you're going to get value. You don't think you're going to get, you know, sustained excellence – well, how about a guy who just retired this year as well? He's not the greatest linebacker ever, but he could definitely help make your defense a little bit better. How about Lorenzo Alexander? We saw him just oh, about a month ago with the Bills. Yeah, yeah, he was available. So let's take him at 188 overall instead of CC C. Brown. Is that absolutely. Cool you? Yeah,
0: I'm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You made a Pro me? Bowl in his career twice. Although Alexander was. He was an excellent player. Now he his was, his he, career seemed to blossom more with the bills later in his career. Well, think about it. He
1: he joined the Redskins and they were abysmal for the right. time he was there. They went they had the one pro bowl year with Robert Griffin and then he was in right. Arizona for 2, years, Oakland in
0: 15, and then Buffalo, the Buffalo last four. So, w- we take him at pick 188. 180. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's our what's our next pick after 188? All the way down to 227 and it's Okay. I'm going to present to you a- an option. I'll present to you an option. Okay. Because you can never, never be completely. That's the right way of saying this. You, you can't have enough interior big, bad, blank dudes. Okay. You need badasses inside. All right. And there was a guy I picked at 224 that went to Dallas named Jay Ratliff, who was was a phenomenal player. He was a phenomenal inside player and very, very difficult to block. And I remember when he was with Dallas in 2010 and the Texans played him here in 2010. I just remember Jay Radliff eating guys up inside. Mm -hmm. I just remember watching going, oh my goodness, this guy's good. He made four Pro Bowls from 08 to 11. Right. He finished with the Bears the last three years. But he was a monster. He was a phenomenal player. Um, but I think you could go either way, in all honesty, with either one. But I
1: – So what do I I'd have to give up my seventh-round pick for that?
0: No, you can take Lorenzo Alexander or Jay Ratliff. Oh,
1: yeah, got to go with Ratliff. That's
0: an oversight on my part. Yeah, sorry, because, because we're, not we're not picking till what? We're not picking until what? 227. 188? Yeah, 227. he went at 224. He's still on the – Oh, okay. no, I take it back. No, I take it back. You're right. You got to move up three spots in the seventh round. Are you willing to move up three spots – to go get Jay Ratliff, or are you going to stick with Lorenzo Alexander? I think what I'm going to do
1: instead is I'm going to not take Lorenzo Alexander. I'm going to draft Jay Ratliff in the sixth round. Okay. Because of everything you just said. Okay. Make things rough on the interior. Right. And then in the seventh, at two two seven overall, I'm going to add to that defensive front. I'm going to add some more greatness. Okay. I'm going to get even better than I got with Justin Tuck, and I'm waiting until the seventh to do it. I'm going to get Cameron Wake. Nice. I like it. Cameron Wake, for those of you who might not know, 14 sacks in 2010. Yeah. 15 sacks in 2012. 11.5 in 14. and half in 16. 10.5 in 17. 100.5 in his career. That dude messes with people. I'm going with Cameron Wake. 224 quarterback hits in 11 seasons. Most of them with the Dolphins. Last year, uh, he was a Tennessee Titan. So I'm going with Cameron Wake. So, so
0: your outside guys for the next few years are Justin Tuck and, Cameron, and Wake. Cameron Wake. And it's funny because whenever I would see Cameron Wake kind of pop on the scene, I was like, he went to Penn State. Why don't I remember this guy? Well, at Penn State, he was going by Derek. Mm. He went by Derek Wake. And at some point when he got to the CFL, it changed to Cameron. And it was like, oh, it's, oh, it's the same guy. Yeah. No so offense, Kenneth
1: Petway. That's who the Texans took originally.
0: But Yeah. yeah. Um, then you get to the undrafted aspect of things. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the better undrafted groups I, I can remember. At a couple of positions, I think that would have really helped the Texans. Number one, Nate Washington from out of Tiffin was yeah. available. He went to the Steelers and ended up a good, solid career and got here in 2015 mm-hmm. uh, at that particular moment. Uh, there was a kicker for the Washington Redskins who went to Maryland by the name of Nick Novak. Right. I think people have heard of him. Yes. The Steelers also signed. My goodness. The Steelers signed one, two, three. Wow. They had a fullback out of Shippensburg. <laughs> you know where Shippensburg is? Everybody know where Shippensburg is? It's in Pennsylvania. Because that's where he ended up. Pittsburgh. John Coon. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As the Packers fans would say. This was a really good. Brandon Browner signed with the Denver Broncos, but good made his money back, with yeah. the Seattle Seahawks. So. There was a lot left on the bone for teams in the undrafted realm. But when you go back and you look at it, and we'll recap here. The first round, we took Aaron Rodgers. Hall of Fame quarterback, so you're, yeah. you're going to be better there. Pretty good. Justin Tuck, Proving who ended up going to the Giants, who was a tremendous pro bowler with the Giants. In the fourth round, you go with Darren Sproles. So it's another weapon next to Andre Johnson. It, at the fifth round, we took Chris Myers. Good offensive lineman. The sixth round, Jay Ratliff ended the up being a pro bowler. on the guy. inside. And in the seventh round, we took Cameron Wake, who turned into a Pro Bowl edge rusher. We've done this a few times. We've done this a few times. I, I'm trying to think of all the different years we've done. We I, did 2010, I know. I think we did. Because we had Gronkowski. I think we did 2008. I, I think we did. Because we took Dwayne, but then after that, we changed a lot of stuff. I, I don't know that we did, man. I look back. But maybe we did. I don't know. We've done a few few this. But as I look at that list of players, and I think about the impact positions, the, the positions we have impacted on that field. We have solidified our quarterback position for the next 15 years at a minimum. We then have two outside guys in Tuck and Wake. And, and then Tuck, Tuck was done maybe two, three years ago. You, you got 10 years out of Wake. I'm sorry, out of Tuck. Wake is still playing. Yep. So you would have had your two edge rushers for a long time. Now, obviously, free agency changes some of that, but who knows. But you got your two edge rushers in Wake and Tuck. You've got a dynamic weapon in Sproles. You've got the center of your line in Chris Myers and you got Jay Ratliff to dominate on the inside. You got excellence and you got longevity. It changes so much of what you do. And take just just say for example, Jay Ratliff starts to show things um, in, you know, those those two years that you have and you're like, Hey wait, man, this guy five oh six. this guy's a pretty good player, man. Cause now you're sitting there in two thousand seven and you end up taking a Moby Okoye.
1: You wouldn't well, do that. You can you wait don't and need take,
0: to take a Moby Akoye, So let's look at the. Take Terrell Revis. Let's take. Let's take a look at four of the next five picks after Moby Okoye. The next one was Patrick Willis at linebacker. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. Uh, the next one was Marshawn Lynch at running back. Could you imagine having Marshawn Lynch with Sproles, with Aaron Rodgers, with Dre? Yeah. <laughs> Adam Carricker was a good defensive lineman, but injuries kind of slowed him down. Revis Island went at fifth at fourteen. See, but I don't think you're picking that high with this with these guys that you've probably added, so. You know, I think you're okay. Picking so a lot let's lower. So let's say that we did pick lower. Uh, you want to take Joe Staley at tackle? Sure, I take Joe Staley at tackle. Which, which, if you did that, you're probably not taking Dwayne Brown at tackle. Greg Olson, tight end. You Good want Greg Olson? He's still he's still playing. So you had you had opportunities down, even if you didn't finish, you know, to where you know you could be at number ten. Because you traded, I think, with I think you traded with Atlanta at some point. So either way, so you traded swap picks, and so you ended up at 10. But let's say you end up in the middle of that round. My goodness, Michael Griffin was a Pro Bowl safety. Uh, Reggie Nelson was one. Brandon Merriweather was a hard-hitting safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Joe Staley, Greg Olson. Yeah.
1: Those guys all came. Eric Weddle, Weddle was, was
0: around. The first know, pick Zach first Miller, round. the tight end. So yeah. this all has such a domino effect, a butterfly effect to it that I love because – now if Ratliff even though he's a sixth rounder if he ends up playing really really well you know it's like DJ Reader think about that you know DJ is a fifth rounder starts showing himself after a couple of years so if he doesn't and then Fork graduates retires then uh maybe you've got to take defensive line but well, you know you got DJ Reader here so maybe you can push that priority down a little bit yeah. and maybe it's the same with with Ratliff if you have Ratliff and maybe you don't have to go with the Moby, who was 19 at the time, as everybody knows. And maybe you can, yeah, fall further down, and you end up taking Greg Olson as your tight end to go there in Rodgers. Pretty good. So
1: we've also done 2003. Yep. And we've done 2010. This was the 2005 draft. And next week on In the Lab, we'll have a fun edition. Not going to be a redraft, though. We'll do something different because we got to mix it up. we got to space out these redrafts. Rest assured. Later on this offseason, maybe in about a month, we'll do another redraft of a Houston Texans draft from the past. It's going to be a fun time. John, thank you so much. It's good. This has been In The Lab.